Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, like, comment, let us know everything about the episode. If there's a particular guest or topic that you'd like to have on, we're always checking your comments on there and love to be able to take your suggestions and then get them on to future episodes. Today, I'm going to be chatting with Victoria, and she buys vehicles, and I wanted to chat with her about that whole process because it's something that we get a lot of questions about whether it's a truck that's a couple years old sometimes 10 or 15 years old this is what she does for a living for a dealership so i wanted to go through the process what she looks for how to tell if it's a good buy ask her some questions that you guys had asked us on our instagram uh, story and definitely look forward to chatting with her today before we get to it though I want to remind you our friends over at kershaw knives have a 40 percent off msrp code for you if you go to kershaw.kaiusa.com use code 2024 diesel 40 and get 40 percent off msrp on your order they got a ton of cool cool knives if you need a knife for edc hunting fishing around the job site around the house they've definitely got you covered and have a whole product line designed to meet any budget so if you're looking for a particular blade shape blade steel handle design they've definitely got you covered so head on over to kershaw.kaiusa.com use code 2024diesel40 for 40 percent off msrp all right let's get to today's podcast with victoria and talking about how to know if the truck you're buying is a good buy. Victoria, welcome to Diesel Podcast. I'm looking forward to chatting with you today because one of the most common questions that we get at the podcast is like for our opinions of what to buy or is this a good buy? And I'm I'm not the right person to ask. Like I have my own personal thoughts of what is a good truck or what is a bad truck. I'm not even talking about brands, but just like an individual truck, but this is what you do. So I'm excited to have you on today and look forward to hearing your opinions and expertise on the subject. So welcome to the Diesel Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it was it was really cool. I think I was on Instagram and I saw your page and there were so many different types of vehicles. There was, uh, gosh, I think it was a white uh, Ram 2500, 3500 Cummins that you had on there. And this is, you know, the business that you're in. So I wanted to start with a little bit of background on you, like how you got into the automotive industry, what drew you to it, what it's been like, um, you know, progressing through, you know, buying vehicles and being involved in, in that side of stuff. Well, in all honesty, I was 17 years old. My parents looked at me and said, you need to get a job. So I just searched for a job where I work now is literally five minutes from my house. I was like, oh, this is perfect. And the hours aligned with my schedule because I was 17. I was in school. So all the stars aligned. So I applied. I didn't hear anything back. So I walked in three separate times and said, can I have this job? Like, <laughs> please. And I got the job and I started as a receptionist when I was 17. And from there, I've just worked my way up and was given this opportunity, but I've always been interested in cars. My father is very much into that. So naturally that's what I'm into as well, but yeah, that's how it started. And I haven't stopped. So <laughs> people who listen to the podcast they know i love stories and they know i love just the pursuit of something that we want and i really liked what you said about 
you know, you applied, you didn't hear anything and you went in and just kind of bugged them. Cause that's how I got started. And this is kind of the same thing as I sat back. Um, I, you know, finished college. I had been out there in the, the workforce for gosh, five or six or seven years or something. And then I just thought, I'm not really passionate about what I'm doing. What is something I'm passionate about? Well, it's trucks and you send out the resumes and you might hear back from somebody. And I just had to really just bug them like every single month or every couple of weeks. And I don't want to get too off topic, but a lot of young people do message us that are into trucks and they say, Hey, how can I get involved? Or what are some tips or some things you would tell us? Would you say that that persistence is the best thing somebody can do if they want to get involved in really any industry, but just to get your foot in the door, it's just be persistent and just Absolutely. Bug, bug the place you want to work at. Absolutely. I, I don't take no for an answer. I never have. So that's just instilled in me. But if you want something, you just have to keep going until you get it. And obviously for what I do, it was, I was a 17 year old girl, obviously sitting at a desk and saying hi to people and answering phones was an easy task. So everybody has to start somewhere, even if it's not where you want to be, but to at least get your foot in the door, take what you can and don't stop until you get that. I know from your Instagram, there's, there's so many vehicles that you're purchasing and so many things that are going on, going from that first opportunity that you had to buying vehicles. Where did, how did you get that knowledge? Where did the experience come from? What was that like gaining the knowledge you needed to do that? So I actually, it was 2020. I got laid off because of COVID. So I was laid off and my manager texted me and was like, I have a new opportunity for you. I want to bring you back. And this is in the middle of COVID. Manufacturers aren't making cars. So obviously used cars are the most expensive they've ever been. So, and people aren't working, people need money. So we became a Kelly Blue Book partner. So anyone that goes on to Kelly Blue Book and types their VIN number in, that information gets sent to me. And from there, I reach out, I call you, I bug you (laughs) (laughs) to get your car down here so I can buy it. And that's just how it started because there were no cars. We had nothing. The lot was empty. So they brought me back to do this. And I appreciate my manager more than anything for giving me this opportunity because it's been so amazing just to interact with all types of people all from all walks of life with all kinds of vehicles. So it's just been an amazing opportunity, but it, I, I, I obviously knew about cars. I had a general knowledge, like I knew makes and models and trim levels, but actually seeing them every single day, cause I am at a GMC Buick store. So obviously I'm familiar with GMCs and Buicks, but when Mercedes are rolling in and Hondas, like I don't know that much, but yeah. definitely just seeing them and getting a feel for all kinds of cars has really helped. I didn't know much, but I, I know a good amount now. So <laughs> that, it's definitely helped. That was one of the most intimidating things for me starting out in this one, you know, years ago when I did was I had a specific interest. Like I was really into Ram trucks. Yeah. But with what I did, I'd have to talk and be knowledgeable about you know, Chevys and Fords. And it was kind of intimidating because I felt like, well, I haven't owned one. Um, I don't know a lot of people with them. How can I learn? And it, it was probably one of the more challenging parts of it. And I think about a buyer, somebody who's looking for a vehicle, they might be the same way or they might be open to different brands and it can be so hard to 
know the ins and outs of, you know, one of the 17 to 19 Ford F-250s, like what sort of issues can they have or an 11 to 14, you know, GMC 2500 or 13 to 19 Ram. We might not know all those, those fine details. And I think that's where they lean on like podcasts and social media and things like that, or a person to be able to say, Hey, what's, what's a good deal or, or what isn't. But Absolutely. I find just trying to learn that can be one of the most challenging parts. Definitely. And it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of repeat Sierra customers to come in and say, Hey, my lifters went like after, yeah. after a couple, you kind of understand, Hey, that's probably a problem with these kinds of trucks. So yeah. over time you just learn those things, especially like I'm in there for 11 to 12 hours a day. I see everything. I hear everything like over time, you just get a grasp of those things. So, and obviously I'm involved in the automotive community. So I'm listening to stories and reading things. So you just have to educate yourself and put in the work to, one to of get the, there. One of the really cool things, we, we chatted before the podcast a little bit and had posted some stories for each of our listeners, or each of our followers to kind of ask some questions. So I thought it'd be great to kind of jump in because I think it segues really well. But somebody had asked us, what? how can you tell if what you're looking at is a good vehicle to purchase. And to me, that's such a huge topic. And I don't, I kind of know where to start. Like if I was going to look to buy something, but this is what you do. So I wanted to ask you if, and it, we don't even have to make it specific about, you know, like diesel trucks or anything right now with it, because I think a lot of the principles apply regardless of anything. Mm-hmm. What are, what are like the first three things you look for if you're going to buy a vehicle that would either, I guess, like shy away from even buying it. Like what are some, some red flags? Absolutely. So the first thing before in, before a customer comes in, I immediately look at the Carfax. I pull that immediately just to see, okay, it's clean. There's no accidents. They've maintained it. So I'm kind of expecting, I mean, I know what I'm going to be walking into. Yeah. I def Carfax is huge for me, but the downside is, people can do work themselves that won't reflect on the Carfax. So it's not always the easiest thing to rely, rely on. Um, but, and especially with accidents, it may not be reported or it happened and they didn't fix it. So it's really important to look at the Carfax first and foremost. That's what I do. But when the customer gets there, I look at paint, paint is huge. Like if it's fading, if there's cracks in it, paint is huge, huge, huge. And I don't really see the underneath of cars, but if I wanted to get down on the ground and look, mm-hmm. that would definitely be something I'd look for to be like, especially in Connecticut with all the salt and the snow and everything. That's huge for sure. That's a that's a really good point to bring up because sometimes I can think, I live in Colorado, we don't use salt here. So the, the bodies and the frames tend to hold up pretty well, but our audience is all over the, the country. And I think that can be one of the the main things is sometimes, you know, these trucks look great on the outside. Sometimes the Carfax is great, but mm-hmm. you look underneath and you're like, oh, this is going to be a whole bunch of work. So I think probably as a individual going into it, you'd really want to make sure you have set aside the time to go through this vehicle as much as you can and get all the information you can Absolutely. to make the, de- make the decision. Absolutely. And it's 
good for me because I, I just buy the cars. I don't sell them. So if someone came in and they were working with one of our salespeople and they wanted to know more about the previous owner, I'm right there and I can tell them. So I think that's a really good peace of mind for the customer. Obviously, you're not going to be able to do that in most cases, but it's good to, that's why I like to get to know people. What did you do with it? How many miles a year did you drive? Did you maintain it? Like, is there any wax on this paint? (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely a good, especially like if it's a little old lady, I'm like a little old lady owned it. And immediately they're like, okay, this is a good one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do what about vehicles that are modified? Because that's something I come across a ton. Like this email we got recently, this guy was looking at a truck and he had a list of what the previous owner did and they were good parts and good upgrades. But for me personally, I want something that is as stock as possible because I just, that's where I want to start. But how do you look at that? Exactly. So we're kind of in the same boat. We would love it to be stock. And usually if it is not stock, we pay a significantly, a significantly less amount as to what we'd pay if it was, was stock. So that makes it tough because obviously all these guys come in here and they're like, no, well, I paid $3,000 for this lift. Like you need to give me money. I'm like, not really, because what if someone comes in and the main factor of them not wanting it is because it's lifted. Like we have to cater to the general public and the general public usually doesn't want a jacked up truck. But as you mentioned before, that 2,500, the white one that I bought last summer, that truck was beautifully done. We had receipts for every single thing he did to that truck. Um, quality parts, and I'm, I hope quality people put it together. <laughs> We're hoping, but um, that truck was beautifully done and it was tasteful. So we paid a lot of money for that truck. A lot of money for that truck. Well, that's where I find that um, there are some that like you said, are done really well and they appeal towards a larger, I think audience or buying group, I I guess that would be the word is buying group. But when they're really specific with the build or even like performance parts or something like that, I think it can make it really tough for somebody to want to buy unless it's exactly what they want. They know the person, maybe it's a friend that's selling it to them or somebody they kind of know. It's really hard for me when I get, you know, a message or an email and I see the pictures of it and it's, this somebody just wants my opinion and I'm like, I don't know who put it together. I don't know who did all exactly. this kind of stuff. It's so tough to take, take that jump into it. Exactly. Cause you have no idea if the, like, if it's held together with, <laughs> with what are those things called? You know what I'm, what are they? Little plastic things, zip ties. You don't know if it's held together with zip ties. You don't know anything. So that's why it is tough buying trucks that have been modified, but Usually, especially if they're deleted, we usually do not want anything to do with them, which stinks because I've had to turn down a lot of people and a lot of good looking trucks because they've been deleted. But us as a dealer, we can't turn around and resell that. that, Yeah, that has been a huge topic that we've covered for a couple of years, but especially the last year with like lawyers who represent their clients with the EPA and, and things like that. It's always a huge topic where people will ask us that that's why I'd get a lawyer on and it's like you you can't these these places can't do anything with it so it's not it definitely affects you know that side of it and I think I think when somebody's looking at a vehicle like our audience I would say half of them look towards the older trucks like the pre-2007s that don't have the DPFs on them 
Exactly. The other half, they don't necessarily want to buy a new one, but they want something within the last three, four, five years because they want the technology and they mm -hmm. want all the updates. And I think it gets even maybe more complex for them to navigate um, because of you know all the emission systems and things like that. But that kind of leads into another question that um, one of our listeners had. And they said, how do you know if mechanically it's good? So you know, somebody contacts you and they say, hey, Victoria, I've got this 2018 Ram 2500. Um, you check the, the car fax, it's clean. They bring it in. The body panels all look, you know, they're all gapped the same. It looks like it's, you know, new. The paint's fine. How do you mechanically make sure or, or what do you look for? Like, do the, do the mechanics look at it? You know, kind of what are they looking for? What, um, what side on the mechanical part? Yeah. Do you look for? So we're actually pretty trustful when it comes to people bringing their cars to me. The most that we usually do, I probably shouldn't say this because someone's going to try to get one over on us. Um, <laughs> all we do is get in it, drive it around the lot, put it through all the gears. And if there's no lights and everything looks good, then it's a good, it's a good buy for us. We don't, some dealers do bring it into the shop, put it up on a lift, fully inspect it. But that's really time consuming and people don't want to be in a dealership for hours. Um, so really we start it, we make sure there's no lights on, make sure it's not ticking or <laughs> the exhaust is rattling. Um, there's a few precautions that we take, but we don't go crazy to make sure, okay, this vehicle is mechanically sound. This is it. Um, we, we buy anything. I, well, I buy anything. I don't care if you have to tow it into me. I don't care if it comes in on three wheels, you're selling it. I'm buying it. That's just how it's going to be because it's not fair. It's not fair. If someone's got a beater that they can't afford to fix. And then I give them a terrible offer and tell them we don't want it. Like that's just a slap in the face, I think. So I like to be very fair and I like to give everybody the opportunity. And I know you've probably seen, I, haven't bought the best vehicle so far since I started my account on Instagram, but that's fine. I'm not going to tell you no, just because it's not brand new or it's not a little beat up. Like, I don't know. I don't judge. It's really funny. You mentioned the time thing. Cause I, I can tell it's caused some form of PTSD with me because as a kid, I remember my parents going to the dealership and we would be there for hours. Like, four, mm -hmm. five, six hours. Whereas me, if I can do it all mostly online or I just have minimal contact while I'm doing it, sign me up. Like I just want to walk in. I already know exactly what I want and I can just you know, sign the paperwork, do the deal and I'm out. Is time kind of the biggest thing you've seen change since you started in like 2018 till now is just people don't want to be in there as long. They just want a quick transaction. People, as soon as COVID hit, people stopped leaving the house. People are like, I'm not going out in public and I'm sure as hell not going to a car dealership. I can bet you that. So I've really tried to, my thing is 15 minutes, 15 minutes. I appraise you, you're gone. And another 15 minutes if we do paperwork, I pride myself on making that transaction as smooth and as fast as possible, because I know people don't want to be there. I know this is usually a headache and I'm trying to make it a really fun and personable interaction. So I think that's definitely what sets me aside from most because they don't care. I, they, they don't look at it from the consumer standpoint. They look at it from their standpoint and what kind of profits they're going to be making. I necessarily don't. 
because I get people hate car dealerships. I want to make this a really good experience and I want you to remember me and I want you to come back to me more importantly. That was something we talked about before the podcast, which I think is really cool to get into. We had talked about the reason that we both do what we do is we love helping people and we love building relationships with people. And when you told me that it was really surprising to me because my bias is always when I go to a dealership, whether I'm buying or selling, I always feel like I have to have my guard up because I don't know. I just always have, I don't don't know where it comes from. So I thought it was really interesting. The perspective that you approach it with, because a lot of times, I mean, how many vehicles is somebody going to own over their lifetime? Or you told me about one, you know, customer you have who's, he's always trading every year or two. So you're working with this guy every, you know, one to two years and how important that relationship is. How has that helped you or what have, what kind of feedback have you found from your customers when you're investing and building that relationship versus what their previous experiences might have been? Yeah. Doing that. So nine times out of 10, before someone comes to see me, they've been to CarMax or they've been to other dealers around them because nowadays every dealer is a buying center. Every dealer wants to buy your used car. So I have a lot of competition. So nine times out of 10, people have already gone to see people before me and they're telling me, oh my gosh, I sat there for 45 minutes before anyone even came out to say hi to me. Um, They gave me a really low number, which Kelly said my car was worth something. And then they told me it wasn't like, and like I said, we talked about it. Like you just said, before we came on, um, he drives almost two hours every single year to sell me his Ram. And before I was just, he submitted through Kelly blue book. I called him and obviously he liked what I had to say because he drove two hours to see me. Now, every year for two years straight, he's come down to sell me a vehicle. And I think that speaks volumes. I don't look at this as a transaction. You're not a transaction. You're not a number. You're a person. And I value you. And I appreciate you so much for doing business with me because I know you could have went and done business anywhere else. The fact that you came to my store and worked with me, I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I think that's that's okay, a common, happy. Yeah, well, it's a it's a common theme that I hear on from a lot of guests as they talk about that. Whether we're talking about selling parts, selling vehicles, starting a business, why I even do the podcast, that's really the reason. And and it's I think it helps when we're doing or buying or selling something if we trust and like the person that we're working with. And I think this applies even if someone's listening right now and they found their dream truck on Craigslist or Facebook marketplace or whatever it is. And they're, you know, listening because they're like, well, what should I, what questions should I ask? Well, one of the biggest ones is do you trust and like the person that you're going to buy this from? That's such a huge part because, you know, you had mentioned the price of used vehicles. I did want to ask you about that market now compared to like 2020, 2021, but and from my perspective, they're still expensive. They still like the values jumped up on them so much in that time frame that it's a lot of hard earned money you're putting into it. So you need to you need to like and trust the person you're doing business exactly. with. Exactly. Exactly. And like I can't stress how important it is to prioritize customers. Like 
I myself am shopping for a car and I walked into a place and everyone just looked at me and didn't even barely, barely said hi to me. And I was like, okay, I'm looking at $70,000 trucks here. Like, can you talk to me? So immediately wrote them off. They'll never earn my business because they couldn't stop what they were doing to even say hello to me. Like, it's just so crazy that dealers still function like that. Yeah. And like, I, I try so hard to steer away from that horrible (laughs) reputation that dealerships have, because I don't ever want someone to walk in and feel like they're not welcome. That's crazy. So I want everybody to have a comfortable and honest experience because I know, I know dealerships get a bad reputation. I don't want to add to that. And I don't want someone to write me off because someone knows someone and that someone knows someone and it will travel. So that would just be damaging my business if I did something like that. And people just don't think like that. Like I said, I, I think like a consumer, I don't think like dealership personnel. (laughs) Well, that's really, it's interesting you mentioned that because it was a few years back. Um, one of my friends was looking for a brand new Super Duty, and I think it was a King Ranch or Platinum. And you, you talked about the word of mouth and the perception. And I imagine like he's just got out of the gym or something, so he wasn't like dressed very nice. But he was he wasn't going to finance it; he was just going to buy it outright. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me about the dealer that he went to. It was kind of the same thing. Like nobody talked to him. It was just kind of like maybe they sized him up visually or something and just thought he was looking around kicking tires. But in my mind that stuck out of, well, I don't necessarily want to go there because of the atmosphere. And I think that can be one of the, one of the tough parts. Um, people are looking for a, a vehicle is especially with truck guys. They know exactly what they want. They know exactly. the color, they know the options, they know the trim level um, with the D podcast. They know the engine that they want and all that stuff. And you might find it at a place where they might treat you like that. And they get into this kind of quandary, this situation where they don't like who they're dealing, doing business with, or they don't feel comfortable, but this person has the truck they want. And it can be really tough. And I think even emotional because, you know, our audience, they're enthusiasts. They're emotionally attached to these trucks. It's part of their lifestyle. It's part of their hobby, their enjoyment. And I found that whole process can be very emotional and I guess in a good way, but also a bad way, depending on how your transaction goes. (laughs) Absolutely. And especially just because of the market right now, if you find a truck that you love, it's got every option that you want and no one else has this truck. It's a really shitty thing to go in there with your perfect truck and you can't walk away with it because the salesperson just didn't treat you right or didn't give you the time and invest in you and just completely wrote you off. That's crazy. And it is, it's emotional. It sucks. The, now the the pricing, I know this is a loaded question and it's very large, but I think we can, (laughs) I think is how do you know if you're getting a good deal? Like how would I know as an individual, like, am I getting a good deal on this vehicle? What, what kind of tips would you give me to know if I am? I think it's super important to pull the original invoice, the window sticker. Obviously, if you purchase the Carfax for $45 or you have somebody that can pull you a Carfax for free, nine times out of 10, it is going to have that invoice on there. 110% 
click that invoice and see what it originally went for, whether you're buying used or what have you. I think I think dealer fees are very important. As a dealership, there are conveyance fees. That's just the price you have to pay for the dealer processing paperwork, getting you registered, whatever the case may be, whatever state you're in, whatever dealer you're in. Our, our conveyance fee is $898, $898. That's wild. <laughs> I personally wouldn't want to pay it, but I have no choice, right? Right. So conveyance is huge. And I'm probably going to get yelled at for saying this, but VIN etch, when they vitch the VIN etch, when they etch the VIN into the windows, it's an anti-theft. Sure, it probably works. And if your car gets stolen, you get $3,000 right off the rip just for it being stolen, which is a good thing. But make sure if there's extras in there that you don't want, you tell them you don't want that. As simple as that. And if they don't give, if they don't budge, which I'm sure they will, then you just get up and you go elsewhere and you work with someone that's willing to work with you rather than against you, who wants you to have this car or truck as just as bad as you do. So I think definitely do your research. Definitely look around, see what comparable trucks or cars are going for. And back to what I said about an invoice, I'm looking to buy a Bronco, a four-door hardtop Bronco. I found the perfect one. It's in that beautiful forest green hardtop, 37s. It's got the big fenders, big screen, everything I wanted. They were selling it for 58. I And it's two years old. It's a 2022 and it's got 5,000 miles. I go and I look at that invoice. When it was brand new in 2022, it was selling for 54. So why on earth am I going to go spend $58,000 on a truck that was 54 two years ago with miles? Yeah. Definitely do your research because yes, prices are crazy, but they're not nearly as crazy as they were during COVID. Things are finally starting to like come back down to normal pricing pre-COVID. So if you're at a dealer and they're still asking astronomical prices for these things, you need to pack up and go somewhere else. That's what I was going to ask you because during that time, like it was crazy. The prices that we would all see for like a third gen five, nine Cummins that might've been before then 12 or 14,000 now it's 20 to 25. Mm-hmm. And it's like those memes you see, like, don't lowball me. I know what I got, but like, I- I'm curious how much that has tailored or kind of fallen back to normal here in 2024. It's definitely, it's definitely been hard for the consumer to realize, well, I plugged my car in a KBB a year ago and it was 10,000 over what I paid. Now you're telling me it's 10,000 less. That's exactly what I'm telling you because the, no one, everyone wants, everyone can get a CX-5, a Mazda CX-5 if they want one. Yours is not special. It was special two years ago when you couldn't get your hands on them. Yeah. But now you can go find one anywhere. So it's definitely been hard to explain that to a customer, especially because I know they love their vehicle and I know they want the most for it, but it's just not the same. I think at the beginning of this year, used car prices dropped 6% January 1st. And obviously if you're not in this business or if you're not reading up on this, you have no idea. You still think it's worth a million dollars and that's just not how it is anymore. Yeah. I think, I think that like the individual truck buyer would, they've probably maybe done more research than the seller might 
I'm thinking mm-hmm. like party to party in a sense. And so that seller might be still thinking it's 2020 and you can't get this truck anymore. So it's $15,000 over what I paid for it. And the buyer's like, no, I'm finding these, you know, all around and they're, they're a lot less. So I think that that's definitely going to be something for a while that's going to, going to come up. That's just that time frame, which I guess it's once in a lifetime sort of thing, but just the prices of vehicles and you couldn't get new ones and the wait lists and everything else, it just created this mm-hmm. storm, I guess, of of madness, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of total pure chaos. Um, but back to what you said about these old five nine trucks that have a million miles, and people are asking a million dollars for them. I use Marketplace as well as a tool to buy vehicles. I saw a lot of success with that last year. Um, just message you, hey, I want to buy your car. I'm here. Come find me. Let's do it. And it worked. But also, I see it was. Sorry to get particular with you. There was a 2013 2500 Cummins SLT, as as base as you're going to get, with a lift and horrible cheap off-road wheels. She had it posted for $65,000. Wow. Are you insane? <laughs> I, I, I messaged her. I was like, is this satire? she's like what i'm like i'm like oh you're serious like it's just madness it's pure madness what people think they can get for these old clapped out trucks with two hundred thousand miles yeah sure it means a lot to you i love that i'm glad but prepare for it to sit on marketplace and no one's gonna say a thing to you yeah that's that's the tough part with with searching the market is trying to find just the the right deal and then the things we talked about earlier with is it you know does it have a clean a a clear title is what's the maintenance like are there any upgrades what are they do i like them do i not like them and then the the pricing of everything but i think this this conversation really helps i think to help me and i think that you know like our listeners understand what what they can do to try to find the best deal they can and then protect themselves with it. And it's just, it it can be so intimidating, I think, especially now with all the choices, just the the used vehicle prices, who are you doing business with? Um, Is it a good truck? Is it not a good truck? How much money do I want to sink into it? I know it's such a large topic, but I love to be able to take our listeners and say, Hey, you're asking me about this truck. Go listen to this episode because we talked about some things to look for. Um, Definitely. And, and, and I think that, I don't know, I, I think because we talk about older trucks and newer trucks, I have, I love both of them and and there's things that appeal on, on both sides. And me personally, I kind of flip flop. Sometimes I think, man, those 2024 L5P Duramaxes are really nice, but that LB7 from 2003 that has low miles that a guy just kept in a garage is really cool too. Or this five, nine or this, you know, six, seven mm-hmm. power stroke. It can be really tough to decide newer or older. Um, is there a limit to how old like you would go to purchase something or do you look for a certain year range or, or how do you approach that? Like I said, I will buy it. I do not care what it is. Like there is no max or minimum year I go and there's no mileage cap either. If it has five miles, great. If it has 
half a million. Great. I don't care. Um, that's just us as a dealer and how we operate. Obviously my manager will come to me and be like, Hey, if you, you have any leads on trucks, you call them and you get them in here. Cause we need trucks. We need 16 to 19s. And I will do that. Will I get them in the door? Maybe, but <laughs> there are definitely some specifications, but generally we'll, we'll take it. It does not matter. You'd mentioned the Bronco, and this was just a question I thought to ask you just kind of on the fly. Was it something like when you saw the Bronco reintroduced, you're like, I need to have that. I love how it looks. Or have you always been a fan of Ford Broncos? What drew you to that particular vehicle? So I actually have been a Ford hater for a long time, <laughs> for a very long time. I have been BMW through and through. My next car will be an X3 M40i. That's just how it's going to be. And my boyfriend got a Raptor last summer, last spring. And I was like, I love this thing. I have, I love the door chime. I love the turn signal. I love everything about this fucking truck. <laughs> I have to have one. And I, you know this, but the audience may not. I have a 2011 Accurate TL slammed. You can't do anything. You, you can't hit a pothole. You can't go up a driveway as fast as you want to go. You got to do everything sideways and slow. And it's just too much for me. And when the Broncos first came out, I was like, uh, that's kind of stupid. I don't know why they did that. But now I'm like, I love Fords, man. Like I, <laughs> I just love the idea of getting in a car, doing what's running over curbs. Like I'm not, I can't do that. So obviously that's what I want, but yeah. I saw those Broncos and I was like, eh, not my thing. But when I actually like started researching them, cause I drove a two, three, they have a two, three and a two, seven. I drove the two, three. And I was like, I hate this. I'm writing this off. I want nothing to do with it. But I recently drove the two, seven and it has so much pep. It can do what you want it to do when you want it to do it. I drove it. I was like, this is it. This is what I want. Just the versatility with that car. And I'm a Wrangler hater. I hate Wranglers. Everybody knows not to bring up a Wrangler <laughs> when I'm around because I will freak out. I can't stand them. So for me to want a Bronco is so silly, but it's, it's practical. It's really funny you mention that. You don't probably know this, but I've mentioned it on previous podcasts. Like I grew up in a Ford family. Mm -hmm. So naturally being rebellious growing up, especially as a teenager, I can't like Ford. So I grew up hating Fords my whole life. And then the 2017 body style came out in the F-250s, F-350s. And I'm like, that is the best looking truck I've ever seen in my life. And it was just the looks of it. And then I kind of, you know, I dug more into the mechanical side and everything. But for me, that was one that completely turned me on to the brand and wanting to learn more and being interested in them was just, man, they nailed the styling so much. And so it was kind of funny you mentioned you know, that and being They're around beautiful it. trucks. Yeah. And I can say the same. My grandfather, um, he worked in a Ford factory building those things his whole entire life, like started there, retired there. So naturally that's what I was supposed to like, right? Yeah. Now <laughs> <laughs> it comes full circle. That's what I've learned. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I can't but escape it. <laughs> you well, can't. I, you I, can't. I'm sure I'm sure there's questions I didn't ask you. Or somebody might be local to you might be within a few states of you and they're looking to sell something 
how can people connect with you? How could somebody reach out to you, ask questions, um, you know, be able to just connect and, you know, maybe sell you their vehicle or maybe they just have questions about the yeah. podcast or, or something that you mentioned. Okay. I'm open to every question. No question is a stupid question. Even if I don't have the answer to it, I'll get you the answer to it. That's not a problem. But my Instagram is Victoria's Buys. Message me, comment, do whatever you have to do to get in touch with me and I'll make sure I get back to you. Well, it was very cool to chat with you. I appreciate you taking time to, you know, chat with us and and be on the podcast and it it helps us and our listeners so much because I don't know this stuff. I mean, I have my own like personal thoughts on particular vehicles. I like ones I don't like, but that doesn't mean I'm right. It doesn't mean I know everything. So I love to be able to have people on who are experts in their field and this is what they do and be able to ask you know questions and get solid answers. So I appreciate you chatting with me today and look forward to following what you're doing. I love what you're doing on social media. I love the approach that you have, which is so different than anything I have found um, exactly at the like the dealership level. And yeah. I'm curious to see where you take it. It's, it's going to be fun to watch. I know you're ending it, but that's why I started my Instagram because I'm like, I want to see what other people are doing. Like, I want to know if there's anyone else out there that does what I do. I searched top to bottom. I couldn't find anybody. So that's like a main driving force why I started my Instagram. I know people don't probably care what I'm buying, but I'm showing you regardless. So (laughs) I think, I think they want to see how you approach it because like before doing this episode, sometimes people say, Hey, get this person on or check out this page. And it seemed kind of very commercial to me. It seemed very, it didn't, it didn't come across as genuine. Mm-hmm. And people, that's what I found, like, regardless of what topic we're covering, they want genuine. And Definitely. that comes across. So I think that's going to be a really cool combination in this market and, and how you're approaching it. So keep us updated on things you're working on, um, things you come across. Maybe there's, you know, some cool diesel stuff you see. Um, you know, definitely let us know. But I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 2024-DIESEL40 for 40% off MSRP. Great way to save some money, get some cool gear. If you need a knife for hunting, fishing, EDC, around the job site, around the house, they've definitely got you covered. Have a whole bunch of new products for 2024. And the whole product line is designed to meet a ton of different budgets. So no matter what you're looking for, they've definitely got a knife for you. Also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters. Tyler Lowen at 23 Diesel, John, J. Cole, all of our other Patreon supporters, all of you who subscribe on YouTube podcast apps, follow us on social media. We appreciate your support here in year eight of the Diesel Podcast and look forward to bringing you more of the content that you want to hear in 2024. Till next time, keep the shiny side up.